Thanks for listening to the Mark Aram Show podcast. Thanks for Xfinity for sponsoring said podcast. A couple of things in life I don't skimp on. Toilet paper, razor blades, seafood. I want the best of the best when it comes to all three. And internet. That's why I use Xfinity Internet. And it's the amazing 10G network. The 10G network from Xfinity, the future starts now. Smarter, more consistent, and a secure network. And it only gets better. Jump on board the Xfinity 10G network online. Just go to Xfinity.com. The Mark Aram Show is performed before a live studio audience. No, I'll run this town to be near you. No, gray skies ever turn blue. Show and a good Friday Eve to you. Mark Aram here. You there. This is the Mark Aram Show. Heard Monday through Friday, 7 to 9 p.m. on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. After a two-day layoff back on the air and uh, getting ready for a huge weekend. Uh, we got a huge show for you tonight. Coming up on the program, comedian Sam Morrell. He is at the uh, Punchline tonight and tomorrow. Hilarious comedian. you got to go check him out. Uh, the chef from Kima, now a published author, author uh, Pano Karatasis, will join us to talk all things Greek food, but kicking off the Friday edition of the show, it's another big Georgia Bulldogs weekend. Georgia undefeated, taking on Missouri undefeated, joining us live on the broadcast, WSB Sports Director, the real Jay Black, not the fake Jay Black you hear on the uh, Von Hessler Doctrine. How are you, Jay? Well, that's I'm proud to be leading off in this lineup. I don't really fit in with comedians and Greek chefs. Well, <laughs> you fit in anywhere you go, Jay Black. You're, you're one of those guys that uh, can talk to anybody. But I'm glad you're here to talk to us. Uh, a big battle tomorrow against the Tigers. Uh, first off, what time does our coverage kick off? We begin bright and early. Breakfast with the Bulldogs at 8 in the morning. And then uh, we'll kick things off from Faroe Field Memorial Stadium in Columbia at noon. All right. So a noon kickoff, the uh, whole pregame show, tailgate show, starts at 8 a.m. Uh, the first real test of the Bulldog season, I, I would say, Jay, uh, the Missouri Tigers 3-0 with a quarterback who we might see someday playing in the NFL, Drew Locke. Yeah, Drew Locke. Uh, some people have him projected uh, well, going as the first pick to the Giants, but that's another issue. Um, <laughs> but yeah, he could very well be the uh, the first pick in the draft. Uh, Kirby Smart described his arm as a bazooka. That always helps. So he led the uh, led the nation in touchdowns last year with 44, which was an SEC record, and he's already uh, one of the top five passers in the country this year with 11 scores and one touchdown throwing for 345 a game. You remember Missouri last year, even though they didn't have a great team, they still hit uh, Georgia for 28 points. So they run fast, they go quick, and they throw bombs. So uh, as good as Georgia's defense is, they will get beat a couple of times tomorrow. Missouri coming into this game with a squeaker win on the road against a Big Ten opponent, Purdue. They won 40-37 to after uh, beating UT Martin in Wyoming. Uh, that, that's a win, though. A win on the road against a Big, team, a Big Ten school, um, that, that's nothing to, to sneeze at. So this, this is a legit team coming in. Yeah, but Purdue is kind of mediocre. And to see Missouri give up 37 to Purdue makes me wonder if they have a shot at all to stop Georgia, as well as Georgia's offense is playing right now. I don't think Missouri can really withstand much resistance. So, Georgia, I expect to get their, 40, their fourth straight 40-point game tomorrow. Talking to WSB Sports Director Jay Black on the Mark Aram Show. Uh, University of Georgia taking on the Mizzou Tigers tomorrow. 
Tailgate show starts at a.m. Kickoff at high noon. Uh, Jay Black on the road joining us. Missouri, uh, a 14-point underdog. But I have nightmares about Missouri's past teams giving us fits and what used to be a strong defensive unit. So you're telling me now the the defense of of Tigers past is is not with us in 2018. Yeah, I don't I don't really see that. And I asked Eric Zier on the Eric Zier report uh, earlier today, and and he he doesn't see it either. Georgia's offense is just playing so well right now. It kind of I probably shouldn't have been surprised, but I was a little bit surprised to see that Jake Fromm's leading the country in completion percentage at 80. percent He's only had eight incompletions this season and one interception. So. Uh, uh, and with the weapons he has, McCall Hardman scored a touchdown in every game this year, and Elijah Holyfield's trying to emerge as Georgia's number one back. There's just so much talent on the offense everywhere. There might not be like a Heisman-worthy player mm-hmm. out there, but they're just every they're just going too deep with studs everywhere. It's really impressive to see what they have. I love Jay Black saying studs everywhere. Uh, yes. From uh, QB uh, rating over 200, which is something you don't usually see in the stat column. But you, you kind of uh, jumped ahead to the to my next point was um, this isn't a team where, all right, we have to shut down Sony Michelle and Nick Chubb, or we have to shut down A.J. Green. I mean, the dogs can score from a number of positions with a number of players in a number of different ways. This is a this is an offense that you really can't pinpoint and say, all right, we stop this person and we'll be in good shape. Yeah, I mean if you wanna if you want to go after the running backs, then Jake Fromm is gonna is gonna throw the ball behind you with Miko Harmon. If you try to back it up and, and stop Georgia's receivers, then you've got four legit running backs that Georgia has. And even even last year, as good as that team was, it was basically a run first offense. And it, and it and it still kind of is now, but man, I don't. I outside of Alabama, I think Georgia might have the second best offense in the conference. You've seen every snap of every Georgia game this year. Let's say, and maybe not this week. Let's hope not this week. Let's say we are playing Alabama. The dogs are playing Alabama in the championship game, and the dogs um, are first and goal at the ten. What running back so far that you've seen is going to get the carries? in the red zone against an Alabama where the dogs need to score? Because I can't figure that out. It's right now it's got to be Holyfield. Mm-hmm. That's kind of the one question is you you haven't quite seen the tailback production at the level that you saw or even close to uh, Sony and Nick. But the competition has been kind of weak too, So with the exception of, of South Carolina. So you're still not totally sure what you have there. But you've got plenty of options. And right now, to me, Holyfield's emerged as, as the top back. I'm, nobody can really get a straight answer as to why DeAndre Swift only played four – we got four carries and played two series last week. That was kind of odd. Mm-hmm. Um, he's been fine. His average per carry is five yards, but Elijah's getting nine. So I still want to see a little more out of Swift. But if he can get back to the level that he was as the third stringer last year, then – uh, there's no weaknesses on that offense. Talking to uh, WSB Sports Director Jay Black on a Bulldogs Friday on the Mark Aram Show as we get you primed and ready for tomorrow's game against Missouri. Tailgate show at 8 a.m. kickoff at noon. Uh, five-star recruit Justin Fields. We've been seeing him a lot on the field. Is that something you expected uh, this early on? Yeah, because it's Austin P. and Middle Tennessee State. But he did not play any meaningful snaps against South Carolina, mm-hmm. which you know tells me, as it should be, this is still Jake Fromm's team. But there is a role for Justin Fields, and he has shown you everything that you wanted to see. Kind of takes off a little quick, but when you're that big and you're that fast, you know how can you blame him? 
I mean, he's he is loaded with talent. I'm still not quite sure how they're going to uh, distribute the ball to get those two guys in there. But, I mean, Fields has got a completion percentage of 80% too, so he has certainly uh, lived up to the hype so far. Let's go uh, back to the quarterback that's eventually going to replace Eli Manning in New York, Drew Locke of Missouri. <laughs> uh, defensively, uh, what's Georgia have to do to, to, to shut down this Locke kid? Got to try to get in his face and confuse him a little bit. He's seen every coverage you can throw at him. It was understandable, but a little jarring. The Georgia's had one sack this season, which is tied for dead last wow. in the nation with Liberty University and Iowa State. <laughs> wow. So that's it's it, it makes sense because the teams that Georgia have played have tried to go up-tempo and throw the ball fast, and Kirby says, we're not going to go all out at the quarterback. We're trying to stop the run first. I mean, obviously, it's working. They're giving up eight points a game. But this is Drew Locke, so that you got to get in his face a little bit. And DeAndre Baker's the key for me. If he can uh, stop Emmanuel Hall, who's uh, the top receiver in the SEC right now at 140 yards a game, uh, then George will have this one with no real issues. Drew Locke already with over 1,000 passing yards, 11 touchdowns, just one interception. Pressuring him is going to be key. We, we lost a lot of our, our pressure guys, uh, including Lorenzo Carter now on my Giants. Uh, who is going to apply pressure uh, on Drew Locke for the Bulldogs this week? Well, DeAndre Walker is still kind of first. He was second on the team last year in tackles for a loss in sacks, and he's got the one sack uh, so far this year. And he, he is he is another one of the long line of pass rushers, and they've got a, a good rotation uh, coming in behind. But the DeAndre's on defense, the two players to watch this week. DeAndre Baker at corner, DeAndre Walker at linebacker trying to get in the backfield and uh, uh, get in Locke's face a little bit. Tailgate show tomorrow at 8 a.m., kickoff at 12 noon on your home of the dogs, Scott Howard and uh, Eric Zier with the call here on uh, WSB Radio. All right, enough of the football. Let's talk off the field. Uh, what's the what's this scene like in Missouri? What What's the food situation? What's the uh, hotel situation? Uh, what have you been doing uh, while you've been taking off on Atlanta's morning news? Give me the lowdown there. Well, uh, well we've done the trip in two days, and um, the, uh, the first stop was in Metropolis, Illinois, uh, which is a little more than halfway, so... Mm-hmm little town uh, on the Ohio River and then uh, we're now in and now in Missouri now in Columbia nice people nice Midwestern town uh, when we've gone here before we've ate at Buffalo Wild Wings so I can't really report what the food situation <laughs> is I have uh, I've decided to veto that option uh, this year there will be no Buffalo Wild Wings with the uh, for the dinner tonight so we'll see uh, see what we come up with why why you veto it I mean not I, I hope they're not a sponsor but why you just you know you don't want Buffalo Wild Wings Jay? something something different Okay, because you're a wing guy. I've seen you eat wings. You I love like wings. I like chicken, um, but we're looking for <laughs> we're looking for something different this time. I like chicken. So. Um, who did you drive out with, by the way? Um, nobody. Oh, you drove by yourself solo. Yeah. When you said we stopped, it was the uh, the royal we. When you said we stopped at uh, Metropolis, Illinois, or whatever. Yeah, it was just kind of you know just generic. But yes, that sounds a little less pretentious than I. Um, but yeah, just uh, just me, myself, and uh, the radio going out to the uh, middle of the country and turn around, coming back. Now, did you take uh, the Jay Blackmobile, a station vehicle, a rental got, car? Yes, we got a station vehicle, so we got we got a Ford Escape. Oh, excellent! That is my uh, my chauffeur for the week. That, that is a sturdy vehicle. We're talking to WSB Sports Director Jay Black, getting you ready for Georgia Bulldog football tomorrow, 8 a.m. tailgate, 12 noon kickoff against Missouri, 3 and 0 Georgia against 3 and 0 Mizzou. Uh, Jay Black, uh, um, are you upset? Maybe that's not the way I should ask this. You're missing uh, the East Lake tournament. Are you okay with that? I know you're a big golf guy. I would, with the, with the way Tiger played in the first round, I certainly would have liked to have been there to see that. And yeah, I'm missing the Braves this close to clinching the NL East, too. So I might have to hustle back on Sunday if they have a chance to uh, 
to win the division. So a lot going on in, uh, in sports this weekend in Atlanta, and we're out here on the other side of the Mississippi River. Yeah, but luckily, assistant to the assistant sports director, Bill Caeccio, doing a great job covering East Lake and uh, the Braves taking on Philly. If they win two of three, they clinch the National League East. Yeah, how about that, huh? Who starts game one? Let's let's move over from the dogs to the Braves real quick. Game one of the playoffs. Who, who? Gotta be Fulty. It's gotta be Fulty, right? I don't know. I'm asking you. You're the yeah, sports I mean, director. He's, Jay. he's the. I mean, he's <laughs> he's the guy I'm giving the ball to. The question is, what happens after Fulty goes his six innings? Yeah, that's the that's the bigger issue. What do you? But do? I like Fulty. I like Gossman. I like Anibal Sanchez. I never. Well, I never thought the Braves would be in the playoffs, and I certainly never thought he'd be pitching a playoff game. Yeah. Uh, and then after that, we'll see. We'll see. But, indeed. you know, they're good. They're most likely, barring something catastrophic, they're going to get in. And, man, that's more than anybody could have hoped for. Absolutely. It's been a heck of a run. Uh, WSB's Jay Black joining us from Missouri. Kickoff uh, tomorrow at noon. Our tailgate show uh, coverage starts at 8 a.m. Jay Bird, bring us back a W, my friend. Will do, sir. All right. There he is, Jay Black. Hang tight. We'll be right back. Friday edition of The Mark Aram Show. Welcome back. Friday edition of the Mark Aram Show. Thanks to WSB Sports Director Jay Black joining us uh, from Missouri. We ended the conversation talking about Braves baseball. The number one Braves fan in uh, WSB radio currently is WSB's Judd Hickenbotham. You hear him every morning on Atlanta's Morning News with Scott Slade, 4.30 to uh, 8 a.m., 8.39. What are we going? <laughs> we, go to, we go to 9, Mark. Oh, yeah, that's yeah. right. We go to 9 now. Um, <laughs> Thanks for Braves can clinch yeah. this weekend if they win 2 of 3 from Philly. Yes. I'm going to assume that happens. I asked Jay Black this question. Game one of the playoffs, who are you sending out to the mound for the Bravos? I, I guess uh, Fulton Evich has, has earned it. Yeah. Um, I, I guess that's the guy you go with. I, you know, if if you really I, – I would almost go Anibal Sanchez. I, I'd almost go the veteran guy. I kind of like the idea of, yeah. of starting that veteran guy. But uh, I think, um, yeah, you know, Fulton's up and down. This is why I think the Braves – uh, this isn't quite their year sure, to go of course all not. the way because yeah. you know you have so many question marks. But I think it's one of those two guys, to be honest with you. Fulty or and I can't go wrong with that. No. What about Gaussman? I, I think uh, he could be good. You know, he's he's been kind of up and down. He looked, he, you know, he looked good last night. He he, you know, he had some rough spots. Hypothetical. But. Those are the first three. Okay. Fulty, Annabelle, Gaussman. Who starts Game Four? <sighs> Who's your fourth starter in the playoffs? If it's oh man. You know what? You know who I like? Who's that? Tuki Toussaint. I love Tuki. I like Tuki a lot. He's our ace in two years. It's Mark almost yeah, I think so too. You Mark know, he kind of almost has the. You can almost do like a Steve Avery kind of thing with him in the, yeah. in the playoffs. You know, just start the young guy and see what happens. You never know. And uh, rumor is you named your kid after Steve Avery. That is that's that is the rumor. Yes. Excellent. Is my right. wife listening? I don't know. If she... <laughs> she doesn't know that. <laughs> I love I love the name Avery. <laughs> she doesn't know that. <laughs> Not yet. No. Oh wow! No. All right, well, I'll let her know. Sorry, Mrs. Higginbotham. <laughs> um, all right, real cookie, get out. Got to got to get out of here. Okay. Uh, big plans for the weekend. What are you doing? Uh, I got nothing planned. You know, I I kind of want to go to the Braves game tomorrow. Um, I don't really want to go to the Tech game necessarily. Understood. They're playing Clemson, <laughs> so I don't heart. I don't know. Other than that, I got nothing planned. Baby. I'll tell you what, nothing would be more Paul Johnson esque than they pull off the upset. You're exactly right. Yeah. You're exactly right. I don't see it happening, but maybe. And then it would be the game I don't go to. Then they pull off the huge exactly. upset. I would feel kind of bad about. Judd that. Higginbotham, always a pleasure. Uh, you can hear him on Atlanta's Morning News from four thirty till now nine a.m. Yeah, we're on nine. Yes, <laughs> new and improved, buddy. <laughs> till nine, Judd. I, I know you want to stick around. Coming up, uh, Chef Extraordinaire. 
from a Kima restaurant in Buckhead. Ooh. Fantastic Greek restaurant. Uh, Pano Karatasis will join us. I've been to Kima. It's very nice. It is blessed. Mm-hmm. And then uh, comedian Sam Morrow. So we got a full house coming up on the Mark Aram Show. I'll hang out. Love you, Judson. All right, buddy. All right. Uh, hang tight. News, weather, and traffic next. This is the Mark Aram Show. Hey, this is Rosie Perez, and you are listening to the Mark Aram Show. Listeners of the Mark Aram Show know how much food means to me and my life, so I'm honored uh, to have our next guest in studio. He is from uh, the delicious Kima restaurant, world-renowned chef, and Atlanta legend, uh, Pano Karatasis. Welcome to the show, Pano. How are you, my friend? I'm doing great. Finally, finally, since uh, you know you've been you've been cooking in Atlanta since you were what 15, I finally get you on the program. So <laughs> that's right. It's it, been a long time. It's good. Well, you've been obviously very busy writing a book. You've got a book out now. Uh, yes. Talking about Greek cooking, tell us all about it. Yeah, so it's called uh, Modern Greek Cooking, and it's published with Rizzoli. And we basically have taken the Greek foods that I grew up with at home, uh, through my travels, mm-hmm. uh, being with my relatives in Greece, and the modernization that I've done with the recipes to keep them true and real, but yet um, presentable in a way that you could serve in a restaurant like Kima. And also in a way that the recipes can still be simple enough to make at home. So I grew up in the Northeast, and my uh, first and only real experience to Greek food was in diners. That was every diner you went to. You had you know the breakfast menu, the sandwich menu, the dinner menu, and then all these wonderful Greek items. So have you you know are you are you updating those Greek classics that I grew up with? Is that what we're looking at here? You know, Greek food um, in in Greece is best cooked at home. Okay. And so you see a lot of recipes in the home that you don't see in restaurants in Greece. Oh. And um, a lot of those great, you know, New York diners that, uh, you know, Greek immigrants have opened and put in some of the Greek recipes mm-hmm. are sort of representative of the dishes that would work in a diner atmosphere. They're what the Americans can, you know, accept yes. on a menu. Musica and pastizzo. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and Greek salad. Yeah. So, you know, the, the foods that I grew up with, with my grandmother cooking, are more of uh, her influence of living in Asia Minor. Mm-hmm. Um, my relatives that live in Athens are representative of that food. And then, you know, my studies and travels and, of course, uh, you know, learning all the beautiful foods of Greece. Sure. They're so regional. And well, that, that leads my next question. So um, Italian food, you've got Southern Italian, you've got Northern Italian, two very distinct styles of cooking. Is it similar in, in Greece? If you go to different uh, areas of, of Greece, you see different types of cooking? There is different type of cooking all over Greece. You have all the islands, hundreds of islands. You have the mainland. Mm-hmm. And within that, you'll see that a simple recipe, eggplant spread, um, will be made 10 different ways. And some will have a little yogurt, some won't, olive oil, a little extra virgin, um, 
sometimes red wine vinegar, sometimes not, so on and so forth. It changes from island to island, region to region. Mm-hmm. So not only is there regional cooking, but it's um, it's it's interesting to see the influences because the islands are so small, sure, and the population so small. But yet, there's not just one big way that each of the Greek foods are made. So it's pretty vast. So obviously, you grew up in a in a food family. But um, through my vast research into your background, I found out you went to the Culinary Institute of America. Did you go to the Poughkeepsie location? Yes, I did. So I went to Marist College, which okay. was you know half a mile down the road yes. from uh, from the culinary. It's funny when I used to work. At uh, I worked at a, a bowling alley. This is no joke. Called the Ho Bowl, like Ho, <laughs> and I worked the snack bar. Okay. And the culinary kids would come in all the time, and we served probably the worst frozen pizza in the history of frozen pizzas. At this, <laughs> it was a it's bowling alley frozen pizza, but the kids would come in and they would love it. And I'd be like, "You guys are at the Culinary Institute of America. <laughs> How can you eat this crappy pizza?" And and every one of them said, "We're so sick of eating." Hollandaise and escargot, <laughs> like all these fancy foods, they didn't care. They just wanted something that was was not different. <laughs> right? Was that your experience at the CIA? Oh yeah, I mean it's it's very high end, and uh, every day we're we're dealing with fresh products and classical recipes, and yeah, you know the kids. You know, every once in a while you want to escape and just yeah. have something a, a little uh, um, casual and and, and remind yeah. you of your your. Upbringing worst in high school in the and all world. I wouldn't eat it. I don't think I did. I wouldn't eat it. It was so bad. I don't think I did. But so not only uh, the CIA, but you've you've trained under some some pretty well known chefs uh, in in your career. I did. I mean, I, I like to say that the first uh, chef that I worked for that's pretty awesome is my dad yeah. over at Panos and Paul's. Obviously, um, and it was a great experience cooking there when I was fifteen. Kind of opened up my eyes to the industry in a new way. Um, but after. Uh, College, I did go to Culinary Institute of America. You're required halfway through the program to do a five-month externship and mm-hmm. then go back to school to graduate. And so I was able to work at La Bernadette, which is one of the top seafood restaurants in the world, sure. and quite frankly, still today. And um, I cooked for Eric Repaired. One of my favorites. Yes. Love that guy. Absolutely. And uh, Chris Muller, who's still there as well. And... Um, had a great time, great experience. I was there a good two and a half years. And uh, after I pretty much had done all the stations and was a tournant, as we call it, I was looking for another job. And uh, Chef Eric actually helped persuade me, guide me, and I wound up working for Jean-Georges Von Gerechten. The laundry? Well, that's before the laundry. So oh, really? Yeah, so Jean-Georges Von Gerechten of the Trump Hotel. And Jean-Georges now has an empire all over the world. Sure. Uh, he has restaurants in Asia, Europe, along with the United States. So I um, cooked for Jean-Georges for about two years. And then after that, I had spent almost five and a half years in uh, the city, and I um, was looking for something else, one one sort of last um, great restaurant, and interviewed with uh, Thomas Keller and got a job at the French Laundry. French Laundry, that's right. Yeah. It's Keller, yeah. So in each restaurant, I— Started out, you know, at La Bernadette, uh, cooking um, on Garmage, but then I wound up all the way to Saucier, and um, you're, then, you're you're putting in your chops. You got to you oh, know, yeah. climb the ladder, sure. Yeah, so definitely climbed the ladder over at La Bernadette. I, I did every single position and um, earned my way through the brigade, as we call it. And uh, but at, over at uh, Jean Georges, I was able to be meet Saucier, nice, which is like coming in at the end of the brigade. And that was a fantastic experience. And then when I uh, 
went over to the French Laundry. I actually, I, I, I wanted to start out on canopy, which was the, the first position. Yeah. On his uh, brigade, and by the time I got there, he had put me on meat saucier as oh, well. Wow. So, that, so all, you get all this, and then you come back to Atlanta in two thousand and one, uh, and and Kima comes on the scene, um, which we we had didn't have anything like this like Kima prior to two thousand and one. I mean, there was no real place to get amazing Greek food in Atlanta. Now we have it. For those that haven't been to Kima, a listener, shame on you for not uh, going there. Um, <laughs> take me through, if you could, quickly. Someone that's never been, they're going. They're going to go to Buckhead uh, tomorrow night, Saturday night, if they can get a table. What what should they get? Um, give me give me three courses and a dessert. What what should people get when they come to Kima for the first time? Absolutely. So if you're coming to Kima, it's because you want incredibly fresh, great seafood. Absolutely. And it's cooked with the Mediterranean Greek style, so it's going to be healthy. It's going to be good for you. It's going to be pristine, and you're not going to find anything else like it in the city. So my favorite sort of combination of menus for people because of the sharing and then the mm-hmm. entrees and desserts would be to start off with a, a little calamari pasta oh, where yeah. the calamari is cut in the shape of pasta and sautéed. And then it's seasoned with a little extra virgin olive oil, lemon juice, and Mediterranean vegetables. So good. And then you have to go into the octopus. Yes. And everybody gets the octopus. Everyone compares our octopus to everyone else. <laughs> yeah. And uh, it's been... The highest selling appetizer on the menu in the past 17 years. It's I'll tell you what, it's amazing. Um, now grilled octopus is a thing. Like you go to other restaurants, like uh, well, I was in New York this weekend. Every restaurant we went to had some sort of grilled octopus appetizer. It's it's caught on finally in other you know culinary genres. But it's I mean it's yeah. so good, so good. Yeah, there was a uh, there was a trend right when we opened up the restaurant for uh, Greek wines. And uh, my cousin, Sophia Peppera, who's also in the book, Modern Greek Cooking, um, led the charge. Yeah. And she was educating everybody in North America on Greek wines. So she wasn't a sales rep. She wasn't on commission, but she was paid by the government to educate. And it created a lot of buzz with all the nat- national press and magazines like Wine Spectator, Wine Enthusiast. So the Greek wines started to a, a sort of a, a huge trend in the co- in the country to where the Greek food came into that trend. And we had a good six, seven year run of a lot of articles and a lot of hype on Greek food. Yeah. And with that comes octopus. Yeah, so good. So when we opened up Kima, I don't think octopus was on the tip of anybody's tongue. No, but now it's, it's, but it's we, everywhere. Yeah, when we opened it and we had it on every single table. All right, okay. so I'm, I'm sorry, I interrupted. Yeah. We go to the octopus, then we're, what are we going for the, the main course? So after octopus... There's so many different directions that you can mm-hmm. go, but you you would want to definitely land on a salad. Right now, the hottest one is the watermelon feta salad, mm-hmm. and um, you know after that we have the beet salad and the and the tomato cucumber. And but once you go through that, you want to get into either a whole fish. Yes, because <laughs> when we yeah when we when we cook them we we cook them whole. We open them up. We you know clean them. Take make sure there's no bones in there. And then you just have this beautiful, pristine fish that is 18 to 36 hours out of the water, no matter where it yeah. comes from. And most of our fish comes from Greece. Not the Chattahoochee. That's right. Not the Chattahoochee. <laughs> Unfortunately, you know, local's good, but not yeah, Chattahoochee. Yeah, not that good. <laughs> and uh, uh, that's that's the way that people usually go. And we've got these beautiful sides. Uh, we focus. We have a huge focus on buying as much organic ingredients as we can, um, healthy um, it's great. Yes. It, so what I love too is, um, 
my weight fluctuates. <laughs> you know, I'm right. up 20 pounds, down 20 pounds, whatever. And when I when I do try to uh, watch my weight, I I find so many fresh, healthy options there. Like I get the whole fish. I can get grilled octopus, which is fantastic. And and it's not you know it's not a heavy a heavy meal, but it's decadent and delicious and and fulfilling. It's fantastic. Unfortunately, I can't cook, so I'm gonna get modern Greek cooking. Uh, the chef's new book available at booksellers everywhere. I'm assuming books booksellers everywhere um, online. You know, with uh, Amazon, of course, uh, Barnes and Noble, some of the usual picks, and then uh, we are selling them at Kima. Perfect. And of course, at Kima, we have signed copies for you waiting at the door, and I'll personalize them as well. Excellent. And uh, in the rest of the Bucket Life Restaurant Group restaurants. So if you're going to Chops or the fish market, the diner, Bistro Nico, Corner Cafe. Yes, yes, yes. Preachy. Yes, yes. <laughs> you're going to get an opportunity to have one of the books all the way down to South Florida where we have four other restaurants. Let me ask you a question. Um, your guilty pleasure. We, I have a guy that does a fast food review on my show. Fast food's actually a thing on, on the Mark Aram show. If you need uh, some fast food, what are, what are you indulging in? Where do you stop? What do you get? Well, my, my, my guilty pleasure is cold cuts and cheese oh all right and it's probably the worst thing to eat at the end of the night <laughs> yes you're definitely going to gain about a pound or two in the yeah. morning and you know Make be a big a, fat sandwich a little upset yeah um yeah sometimes it's a sandwich or sometimes it's uh without the bread you have an excuse to eat more of the cold cuts and the cheese charcuterie that's, <laughs> so, it. that's yeah, charcuterie. charcuterie. Yeah, yeah exactly you can get away with that that is my guilty pleasure good stuff um uh, chef oh, uh, always a pleasure it's a pleasure to finally have you in here i've been enjoying your cuisine uh for many many years and uh you know come back thank you, know, you. you don't have to write another book to come back you can come back and <laughs> well i've been enjoying your show for a long time i appreciate so that i would love that you can uh, you know as long as you bring in some uh greek delicacies we'll uh oh give me a dessert real quick at kima's what, what am i having at uh, kima for dessert everyone loves the donuts Everyone loves the baklava, but one of my favorites is a banana kata ifi. That's a banana that's cooked in shredded phyllo, finished with Greek honey. It comes with a flourless chocolate cake and yogurt sorbet. I had something similar this weekend at a Filipino restaurant in Queens, New York. It was it was the banana just like you you described, wrapped in, but it wasn't honey. They had like a um, a purplish ice cream next to it. I forgot taro ice cream maybe. <laughs> Perhaps. It was. I had nine of them. It was fantastic. Wow. I've not had it, though. i got to try yours at the beginning. Yeah, you All need right. to. Excellent. The book is called Modern Greek Cooking. Chef, a pleasure. Thanks for coming in, buddy. Thank you. Hang tight. We'll be right back. Friday edition of The Mark Aram Show. All right, thanks to uh, Chef Pano at Kima. Check out his book. It's available online at Amazon.com and all that things. Uh, real quick, Judd Higginbotham. If I wrote an autobiography, I was I was talking about this earlier today, before before I let you go home. Yes. Okay. The title of my autobiography, <laughs> Tired and Hungry. What do you think? Is that oh, appropriate? I'll, yeah, I think it's pretty appropriate. I think that's pretty good. That could go for any of us in the morning, but <laughs> yeah, true, especially you're more of a foodie than I think the rest of us. Tired and Hungry, the Mark Ty- Aram story. I like it. I like it. You could you could do something with the trough out there where all the stuff ends the up. Steve you know? Winslow bread. Yeah. Steve, Steve Winslow, Winslow, by bread, the right? way. Um, he's the overnight ace, as Mark Aylwine calls him, in the traffic center. Yeah. Every Friday, we come to delicious loaves of Publix bread. He brings oh, them in. It's a staple. It's a Friday morning staple. <laughs> yes. And uh, and Steve, if you're listening, thank you. We really do appreciate the bread. It's literally like 
40 loaves of bread. Like yeah. it's, they're all, it's all over the station. Now I see the traffic center has its own little box exactly. of breads. <laughs> exactly. Nicely done. <laughs> there you go. Do you have a bread request? Is there something that Steve's not bringing in that the, we can? No, no, no. He pretty much has it covered. You know, I'd like a rye every a once in a while. A marble rye? Maybe. Yes, but I just I take home the French loaves sometimes, I and I make French toast on Sundays. You and I would, if, if you're listening, Steve, and no pressure, maybe mix in a croissant. Ooh, that would be a nice, nice. buttery, flaky croissant. You know what I like? Raisin bread. Cinnamon raisin bread raisin would be fantastic. Bread. Wonderful, fantastic. Beautiful stuff. Oh, I, yeah, I like it. I, I like that idea. You know what I learned? What did you learn? Uh, this is, uh, I, I don't know how much time you have, but uh, that uh, traditional, like actual bagels yes. can't have fruit in them. Is this true? No. I learned this from Marcy Williams. She said that true. No, true Jews don't yes, eat bagels. Yes, true Jews that have, eat they, with fruit in them. That's, that's what I'm saying. That's why the girl from Sex and the City lost the governor's race in New York. Really? Because she, they have video of her walking into That's a deli, nice. yeah. gets a cinnamon raisin bagel, which is fine. I'm not going to eat it, but go yeah. ahead. And she gets <laughs> lox and cream cheese and capers on it. Which is just no. I had no idea. Yeah, this that's why I would make a terrible Jew. I cost, love fruit in my bagels. That's fine. Yeah. Just, just I'm not going to do it, but you yeah. can do it. Just don't do anything <laughs> funky after that. Just okay. put some cream cheese or butter on it. That's fine. Don't put salted fish on. Yeah, because she did like yeah, it was like a fruit bagel with caper. Like why yeah, is no? You no, that's that. a bad mix right there. Anyway. Cost her the election. Yes. I All know. right. Why don't you go home? You're, you you got to be exhausted. I'm I'm tired and hungry, buddy. Here, Judd on Atlanta's morning news from 4:30 till now 9 a.m. <laughs> Monday through Friday on the Nifty 750. All right, hang tight. Uh, comedian Sam Morell, he's in studio next. He's at the punchline. It is the Friday edition of the Mark Aram Show. Hi, this is Rob Reiner, and you're listening to the Mark Aram Show. No, I'll run this town to be near you. No, gray skies ever turn blue. Welcome back. Friday edition of the Mark Aram Show. Joining us in studio, one of the fastest rising comedians, not only in America, but in the world. And his agent told me so. He is Sam Morrill. Thank you. Morale. More. I screwed up already. Two I seconds know. in. It's a, it's, I'm annoyed Morale. correcting people because my dad says something. I have to be a pain in the ass to everyone I meet for the rest of my life. Sam you know? Morrell. Am I saying it right? Morrell. 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 Does, does it matter? <laughs> Who cares? Speaking of names, are you a football fan at all? I'm a Giants fan. Me too. We suck, by the way. We have Barkley, which is good. It's still early. You know, they don't have an O-line, man. Yeah. They don't. Uh... And Eli is the dumbest player. I miss Justin Pugh already. That was He was a good player. They, yeah. just, they just, like, you can't just let these guys walk. They're undervalued. So NFL, I don't, do you watch, did you watch Hard Knocks on HBO this year? No. So it was about the Cleveland Browns, and their starting quarterback up until last night was Tyrod Taylor. But they got this kid Baker. Yeah, uh, Baker Mayfield. I couldn't find the NFL yesterday. Network in my hotel room. Yeah, it, I mean, it was, it was, it was what it does. But, but Tyrod Taylor, who we've known in the league for, oh, what, eight years? Yeah. Announces to the media, he's like, actually, my name is uh, Tyrod, not Tyrod. Yeah. And they're like, we've been calling you Tyrod for eight years. He goes, yeah, I know, but it's Tyrod, not Tyrod. Yeah. So do you, I, I picture you. But doing also, that we kind of just don't care, right? Like, just let them have it. That's the other thing. <laughs> like, they go, it's like Colbert. If, like, if, you know what I mean? It's like yeah. his, his family name's Colbert, right? Colbert. But he went with Colbert. It just sounds better. You know, I mean, who cares? Did, did Jimmy Fallon mess up your name the other day when you were on the No, because uh, they, show? but they have to write it a certain way. Like, they write, they wrote, they do it phonetically. Oh, yeah. You know? I need but, that. Uh, I, Buford, no, Buford's not my producer. They do, Buford. they do that. It's hilarious that, man, uh, Fallon, 
You know, there's a woman in the crowd last night who was just pissed drunk. Yeah. And they, hecklers do this a lot. Like, they'll be completely rude and interrupt like five. I, I was pretty nice the first five or so times she interrupted a joke. And then I was like, you got to stop talking. She was like, no, I think you're funny. Like I'm like I'm like well, I said to him, I was like you know I did Fallon last week I don't really care what you think so the the heckler was at the punchline last night not on Fallon no okay because oh that would have been hilarious. I wish I got heckled on Fallon that would go viral on Fallon. man um, uh, Sam's at the punchline tonight and tomorrow yeah tickets online at uh, punchline.com. dot com um, and I, you know I, I said at the top of the uh, the broadcast that you are you really are a really Fast rising comedian out Thanks. on the scene right now. What what's been going on in your career? Well, special. You had a special drop on Comedy Central. It's my second special. The first was half hour. This was an hour long one. It's. I think this one's real good. It's. Uh, it's a lot of punchlines. Not a lot of not a lot of wasted words. A lot of comics like to do that long winded stuff. Yeah, I'm not having that. I'm a joke guy. So uh, I think you'll like it. It's on cc.com slash samurail m o r r i l. And, uh, yeah, I got the special, did Fallon last week to promote it, and, uh, you know, I'm working on some other stuff, but uh, it, it's all about getting that new hour now after I just dropped this one. So if you come see me at the punchline, it's it's pretty much all new stuff. Always writing. You're always yeah. working, always turning it out. Talk about the, the Fallon experience. What's that like as a stand-up? I, <laughs> I've heard the stories of yesteryear going on Carson and What a Big Deal and Letterman. The the late night stage uh, these days now, what's, what's the situation like for you? The late night stage? Um... You know, it's a little artificial, unfortunately. It's not like a club. Uh, Conan feels the most authentic to what a club would feel like because it's TBS and I could yeah. be a little more offensive. But Fallon, it's like, you know, it, it, he's fun. So it's kind of like it's got a touch of that throwback vibe. But then it is like, it does feel like a corporate gig. Sure, it's got to be squeaky yeah. clean. I'm in a suit. I'm like, I'm not really. A, <laughs> but I'm like, you want to you wanna pay respect to that stage. I feel yeah. the same way about when I do. Colbert, whereas like you know, Conan's a little more laid back, so yeah. it's like I can show up in a in a button down or t shirt or something. Do you have to go through your set with the producer? At, at of course, yeah. Oh man, they, they every word you got to really? transcribe it, everything. Yeah, yeah. What's that as a comedian? Does that does that? I mean, is, I know it's part of the deal, but does that uh, you know? It, it feels weird writing out Jewface in Microsoft <laughs> Word, but uh, no. I mean, look, it's you know, it's it's a little weird for sure, but. Uh, you know, it's it, it makes you feel like it definitely takes the fun out of it. Like part of the fun for me, like no one wants to edit or you want to just you want to think of funny jokes. That's yeah. the fun editing and stuff like that is not the fun fun. But then you know, going on Fallon, Cory Booker was the guest before me. Wow! And uh, you know, my family's there with me in the green room, which is like always stressful as hell. And uh, of course, there's a woman I hooked up with who works at NBC, and like. <laughs> Her friend, she's like, not even there. Her friend walks in. She's like, I'm her friend. And I'm like, I don't know how this helps me before Fallon. This is like, just everyone's yeah, annoying you before this. Closed off, Sam. I, well, my agent, who's like, you know, the, she's like the best. She's yeah. like, nothing she could do. She's like trying to block people off. And then, um, what else? Uh, yeah. Let, let me ask you a question. Yeah. So we talked off the air uh, before the show. I'm a Jewish kid from Connecticut. You're a Jewish kid from New York. Yeah. I'm assuming that we meet in the South. You're, exactly. Your parents probably weren't too psyched about you going into comedy, right? I mean, how you did know, that... I think the, I don't know if they would say I think once they realized how much I loved it and how hard I worked at it, I didn't think I was going to have to work this hard. So I think there was definitely some fear. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Like I got into this because I, I felt like I was like the black sheep of the family. Like I'm the you know, my mom married into uh, a, a family where. You know, everyone was an overachiever. Like my my stepbrother and stepsister are both like Ivy League lawyers. Yeah. They're both super smart, and uh, and I guess I was you know I was the youngest, so I felt like 
like the screw up and I was drinking too much and I was like, I'll be a comedian. And they were like, oh, no, this is not going to go well. So I think they were terrified. But then, you know, I was also, it wasn't like I was just a drunk. I was obsessed with stand up, <laughs> yeah. you know? So you had a passion. For I it. loved it. Yeah. I love jokes. So I, yeah, I mean, I, I put in a lot of work at it and I didn't think I'd have to work this hard just to be like, okay at this. It's pretty crazy. But what I, what I think helped your situation and I know nothing about your situation, but in the, in the past <laughs> 20 seconds, it. the fact that there were older kids that had achieved. Yeah, They're maybe. like, well, you know what? If, if Sam The family's playing with up, house money at this point? Yeah, if he screws up, that's okay. We got a couple of Ivy Leaguers. <laughs> For me, I'm the oldest. My, you know, I have a younger brother, and um, you know, my parents wanted me to be a doctor or a lawyer, you know, every Jewish parent's dream, and I'm like, no, I want to do- Not uh, with that voice. Yeah, I want to do radio and TV. Nice. And they're like- you know, come on, what are you doing? Ridiculous. You know, not that, not that they weren't supportive because they were their parents, but you know, they definitely wanted me to have one of those traditional careers and not something that is, you know, as nebulous as, as radio and television. It's so weird. What, like the moments you realize it's, I think I realize the exact, I remember the exact moment it kind of turned for them. It's like, it was going all right. I was making a living, not a great living, but I was making a living. And, yeah. uh, I opened for this comic, Jim Jeffries at the Best Buy Theater in Times Square. And Jim, you know, he packed in like, I don't know, like 1,500, 2,000 sure. people a show. And they came to one of the shows and they were like, I think they just looked around like, oh my God, this venue's huge. Yeah. And this guy asked Sam to open for him. And then, of course, they see Jim come out like, all right, people, you know, just filthy. <laughs> he almost came to my family Thanksgiving one year, which would have been the worst decision of my life. I'm so glad he was too hungover to make it. You could have had a whole hour on that, though. <laughs> I, I think I would have had a, an hour of apologies to my mom. It just... <laughs> I got an anecdote for you, people. That's I'm having that, sex with a Thai hooker the other night. I'm like, Mom, just cover your ears. Uh oh. But uh, no, I mean, but I think, they, <laughs> but I think they, I think they, they, yeah, they realize like, well, yeah, that's. I mean, they can at see a certain it. point that it was like, oh, he's doing all right. Yeah. I think that's the thing is like they don't see a trajectory the way I did. Was I looked at other comics ahead of me and I was like, well, this guy's doing this, he's doing this, and then he'll do this. And I, I saw that they didn't. They obviously weren't aware of that. There's a path laid out there for you. There's some, you got to make your own a little. It's yeah. not, you know, it's not like law school where it's like, well, you go to this law firm after this. <laughs> exactly. But it's, you know, there are there are ways to, my mom was always like producing, that's where the money's at. And I'm like, what's the, you know what that, you know what the hell you're talking about? <laughs> she watched Entourage. She knows what's going on. <laughs> Sam Morrill's in, in studios at The Punchline tonight and tomorrow. Tickets online at punchline.com. So how long ago was that when they came to see you at the Jim Jeffrey show? <sighs> now I want to say it's like got to be, like five or six years ago, okay. probably. Yeah. So from then to now, they're in the green room for Fallon. Like they must be so proud. Yeah, of Yeah, right they now. they were. Uh, you know, I didn't want them there. I wanted them in the crowd, <laughs> but they were like, "There's that. no room in the crowd." I'm like, "All right, well, I guess this is my only option." With Colbert, they were able to, you know, just kind of. I get there to stick them in the crowd. Yeah, but uh, yeah, no, my Cory Booker. It's hilarious. Uh, you know, I, I follow Cory Booker on Fallon. I turn to Fallon. I say, why do you make me follow Obama? And he laughed pretty hard when I said that. I was just trying to make him laugh. I was for the real idiot. And then I, I'm in the green room and Fallon comes in. He's being really friendly. And yeah. like, I know that he just probably, he, he's like, oh boy, here we go. Whole, I have to appease a whole family. And like, I feel guilty for yeah. that. Then Cory Booker walks in and my mom is like going, no, my mom, you know, liberal New yeah. York. Like she's like, oh my God, thank you so much for what you're doing. And he's like, he's got his phone out. He's taking selfies with my whole family. That's I'm like, fantastic. my my family's losing it. I was like, ah, it's, it's kind of cool See, for them. See, that stuff wouldn't happen if you were an accountant. You exactly. They get stories because of me, right? Like that's the thing. It's like, oh, I, I, have, I have good stories. That's where you get 
Let me ask, uh, have you been to Atlanta before? Have you performed here before? Many times. I won the festival, the Laughing Skull Festival here in 2011. Oh, wow. And that's what made me a full-time comic, weirdly enough, because the prize, not on, not enough festivals do this. They just give you, like, one cash prize. Yeah. They gave you a cash prize here, but then they gave you, like, six months to a year of road work. So I was steadily working that's after fantastic. then. So that, to me, is the best prize, is to, be, to say I'm a working comic. Yeah. I still had, like, a, I was, like, side tutoring or something, but it was, like, enough to make income as a comic, which yeah. is huge. Um, so, obviously, you have the passion for stand-up. You're killing it. Yeah. The Comedy Central special. Um, do you, ha- do you uh, not to get all parental on you, but do you have further ambitions? Do you want to get a sitcom? <laughs> do you want to, you know, branch off like so many other stand-ups do eventually? I've done, I had a sports show on MSG, you know, like, I like, there's other things I want to do, but I want to do it this, I'm at a point now where, like, I can do, like, what makes me feel good is doing things that I'm proud of, so I don't want a show just to have a show. I want to sure. make, you know, I, I, I think the way you keep getting the fans that you want is by doing what you think is is good and I don't want to just do stuff to do it like even doing something as cool as Fallon I can't do a bunch of Fallon sets I'm not that guy I'm a yeah. Conan guy you know I want to stay true to like the type of stand-up I do where I can where I can push the envelope a little and, and it shows on NBC I just can't really do that I'd love a show but I'd want it to be in a place where I could where I could push it a little bit and have fun and uh to me the three camera sitcom feels pretty dead unless yeah. you're doing something different with it. There's always a way to find a new way, but I don't I don't want a show just to have a show. I want to make a great show. Gotcha. That's awesome. And and you know, I always want stand up's always number one. I love stand up. Like I, I grew up just like loving Carlin and and you know, Rock and Dangerfield and like David Tell. comics that were just to me so funny. Yeah. You know? So yeah, I think we're the, I mean, that's pretty much we you seem younger than me, but you might be my age <laughs> because those are the same those are the same comics that I would reference you know growing up and and the influences i think you're younger i'm not gonna probably ask you yeah <laughs> you're definitely you old son of a bitch uh, can you hang out one more segment yeah of course all right uh sam moral morale i'm still i'm still jack doesn't matter <laughs> just sell some tickets sammy m at the punchline <laughs> tonight and tomorrow uh go see this uh amazingly talented younger than me individual <laughs> Uh, tonight and tomorrow, tickets online at punchline.com. Hang tight. We'll be right back. Friday edition of The Mark Aram Show. Welcome back. Friday edition of The Mark Aram Show. Don't forget, tomorrow, Georgia Bulldogs back in action here on your home of the dogs. Sam, as a, uh, as a Yankee Jew like myself, I didn't get into college football till. I moved down here and became a, a Georgia Bulldog fan. Are you a college football guy? No, Not I'm, an, I'm a. I like. I'm a big NBA guy. I'm. Yeah. A, I'm a big Knicks fan. God, um, it's funny you say too. Yankee Jew because there's a line in my special where I say I'm a real New York Jew. I complain a lot. I'm in therapy. I'm the type of Jew that if you don't like Jewish people, I'm not the one that's going to turn things around for you. <laughs> See, I've been working 20 years down here to, to turn the tide, and you come down and switch it. Speaking <laughs> of uh, New York Jews, I was in New York uh, this last weekend for a wedding. Went to Russ and Daughters. The best. Oh, my God, man. It's the best. Dude, my special, in the opening of my special, I film it at Barney Greengrass. Nice. I'm no, all see, about that. I've been that. there. It's amazing, dude. I've never it's, been to Russ and Daughters. Oh, it's like, yeah, it's all about, it's almost blasphemy to say his name these days, but I still love the, I mean, Louie, that episode where he's just eating Russ and Daughters with Parker <laughs> and Posey, man. It's like, oh, my God, how amazing was that? I just love stuff like that, that you're just like, oh, you could just feel the love. Yeah. You could feel the New York Energy. Are I you are it. you still in New York or you live in LA now? I live in New York City. Okay, I'll never good. I'll never move. Stay true, man. I'll never move. I'm Stay a New York true. guy. I don't I wouldn't know how to I would lose a lot if I went to LA yeah. comedically. Like maybe my career would go better, but I would probably 
I'd hate my life. New York's I don't, a funnier city. There's no question about it than L.A. I just, why well, don't, yeah, I just, for me, it's home, and it's just, I, I, I'm able to work out material better because I have, like, a good system of working stuff out there, so I, I, I couldn't move ever. Do you live in the city? I live Upper West Side, yeah. Nice. Yeah. One of those Upper West Side Jews. Upper West Side Jew, man. <laughs> I'm all about it. All right. Um, we're going to go see you tonight and tomorrow at the Punchline. Tickets are online at punchline.com. We want to uh, stalk you social media. Where can we find you? It's Sam Morrell, M-O-R-R-I-L. And, you know, you can get my—I my either I have two albums on Spotify, Pandora, uh, iTunes. You know, one's called Class Act. The other one's called Positive Influence. There's a special on ComedyCentral.com, cc.com, slash Sam Morrell. So check out all that stuff, and, and you're definitely going to like the Punchline, man. It's a great classic comedy comedy club uh the shows are great and uh you know get tickets now sam great to meet you dude finally good to meet you mark finally i'm a big fan i'll come see you this weekend um awesome sam morrill yeah wow. <laughs> sammy m funny guy Just call sammy me sam m. all right uh, good to see you dude on twitter and instagram at mark aram facebook mark aram wsb in the meantime go to sleep a little baby go to sleep you little baby Guests of the Mark Aram Show stay at the all-sweet Omni Hotel, located in the heart of Chicago's Magnificent Mile. Thanks for listening to the Mark Aram Show podcast. Thanks for Xfinity for sponsoring said podcast. A couple of things in life I don't skimp on. Toilet paper, razor blades, seafood. I want the best of the best when it comes to all three. And internet. That's why I use Xfinity Internet. And it's the amazing 10G network. The 10G network from Xfinity, the future starts now. Smarter, more consistent, and a secure network, and it only gets better. Jump on board the Xfinity 10G network online. Just go to Xfinity.com.